0: Welcome to Bike Talk with Dave. I'm your host, Dave Mabel. Thank you for joining me here today. I really do enjoy meeting people from around the world and sharing their incredible stories with you every week, and it would not be as much fun if you didn't tune in to listen. So again, thank you for tuning in. This week's guest is the founder and director of the Gravel Locos Gravel Races in Hico, Texas in May and Pueblo, Colorado in September. Fabian Cerralta. I've been working on rolling my R's. I've been following this race since last year and have been intrigued with these races in many ways, from how the events are organized, the unique awards, great routes, and the beneficiaries of the race profits, local volunteer fire departments. I reached out to Fabian recently and I am excited to share our conversation with you. So brew up a cup of delicious chain-and-spoke coffee and enjoy getting to know Gravel Locos race director Fabian Sarralta. Fabian, no. Fabian Sarralta. Perfect. Fabian Sarralta. How was that? <laughs> uh, I appreciate you saying that. You, you do a much better job at that than I do, and I want to dive into your history. But welcome to Bike Talk with Dave. I'm super thrilled to have you on and talk about your race, the Gravel Locos race yes. is the Gravel Locos because you have two of them.
1: Thank you, Dave. Thank
0: you. Uh, welcome to Bike Talk with Dave. I appreciate it. I'm excited to have you on <laughs> because you have the biggest race we've never heard of according to Velo News. Uh, and that's kind of true. I mean, you're kind of secretly one of the one of the big ones and we'll talk more about the details of your events. I, what's your history? Where are you from? Where are you calling from? So you... I was born in Cuba,
1: raised there for the first part of my life, and mom and dad and four kids, uh, we moved to Miami, Florida uh, in 1980. Oh, wow. Yeah. So what, the... like, why? What's the story? Well, um, you know, my uh, my parents were trying to get out of Cuba since it became communist. So since 59, 1960, they, they tried to get out and they made several attempts and they applied like 20 years for 20 years. They applied every year to try and get out. And it's just, they would keep getting denied. They tried to sneak out and got caught. <laughs> oh that can't be good. <laughs> yeah. It is. It was just an ugly situation. You know, uh, Castro, you know, he came into power and he took, took everybody's business. They're bit, you know, large corporations and, and all types of businesses. So he, you know, he confiscated my, my father's business is uh, he also confiscated my mother's uh, father's business. So eventually all of them realized, hey, this is not going to go back to what it used to be. So just try and get out of here. So both my parents tried uh, to get out. They got caught. My dad spent some time in prison. Uh, again, all politically related. And then finally in 1980, he was able to get us out of there just by pure luck. And it's just its kind of a bit of a long story, but it has to do with, with cars he, he collected cars. Uh, he liked British cars, MGs and Austin Healy's and stuff like that. And he was happened to be working on one of the cars in MGA in 1979. And some military folks went by our neighborhood, saw my dad working on this car, and, and said, Hey, look, we got this general, and he's got a collection of these cars, and we need you to come with us and fix them. And he was like, I'm not fixing no damn cars for no fucking communists. So. <laughs> You know, he's been in prison a couple of times. So <laughs> went inside, told my mom what happened. And she's like, you know, hysterical. How can you do that? You know, they're going to take you to prison and all this. And two weeks later, that general showed up at our house with all military guards and military vehicles. And he was actually pretty nice to my dad. He said, hey, look, I know that you don't want to help me. And I know you've been in prison. I know you've tried to escape from the island and this and that. And you don't like our politics. And. But would you just, you know, please come over and look at my cars and help me fix them and just, you know, do it for the love of the cars and let's leave politics aside. Let's just do it for the cars. And my dad agreed to. so he took me with him for about three to four months every day, and he got this gentleman's cars all running again. Which, by the way, they were not his cars. They used to belong to a, I believe it was, belong to a Coca-Cola executive, Coca-Cola company. So I was. You know, he took they took his house, his business, and all that. But anyway, so my dad gets all these cars up and running. For me, it was a really interesting experience because it was the first time I realized that everything I was being told in school was a lie. (laughs) These folks lived, you know, in a huge house with an indoor pool, and you know, they had all types of food and treats and things that I had never even experienced because you know, once communism shows up. Everything in Cuba, at least in Cuba, everything was gone. I mean, you couldn't even get toothpaste or, or toilet paper or stuff like that. So, never mind ice cream or chewing gum or toys and things like that were not. You know, they were non-existent. But as a kid showing up over there at the house with my dad, I really got to experience the way the other people lived, the military people, and that was a, a shocker. Uh, so by the time my dad was done fixing all these cars. He gave him an, uh, an offer of uh, moving our entire family to that gated neighbor, neighborhood. and all he had to do was just maintain his cars and my dad rejected. He said, no I, I don't want to do that. Um, wow. I want to stay at my house. You know this is the house that I wow. built for my family, which was a, it was a nice home. It was you know for us, it was a good, great size house. It was seven bedrooms and five bathrooms and it was six of us. So it was a great house. And he just did not want to leave that. That's something that he was proud of, building that for his family. And and then the gentleman said, well, what can I do for you in return? And my dad said, get me and my family the hell out of here. And uh, the guy was like, well, you sure you want to do that? If you go to the United States, you're going to be working for minimum wage and 40, 50, 60 hours, and you're not going to have, you're going to live in a tiny little apartment and all this stuff. And my dad said, yeah, just get get us out of here. I, I want my kids to have an opportunity to to build something and make something of themselves. And it's just not going to happen here. And sure enough, uh, a few weeks later, they woke us up like at three in the morning. Cause none of, none of us kids knew about it. And it was the military folks. And they woke us up and they loaded us up in a car and we couldn't bring our toys or our dog or anything. It was oh, like wow. the weirdest thing, you know, to be, you know, I was nine years old and to be woken up in the middle of the night and told, Hey, you can't take your dog and you can't take this and you can't take that. And, They uh, put us on an airplane that that evening, uh, or that early morning, and next thing you know, we were in Miami, Florida, living in a one-bedroom with one bathroom and seven people. (laughs) Oh, wow.
0: So, I mean, he was kind of right, wasn't he? Oh, yeah, he was right.
1: My poor dad was pumping gas at a gas station, and uh, it was rough. I mean, it was rough for many years that way. we lived in that place for like five years, and... I remember as a kid, like, how the hell is this better? You know, I don't have my own room. I don't have my dog. I don't have any toys, and we have to share one bathroom, and there's seven of us. It was a freaking nightmare. But uh, yeah, that was that was the introduction to the United States. (laughs) Took a while before realized. Took a while before I realized my dad did the right thing, and and then it would be better eventually.
0: Yeah. So tell me your name, and as as you came over. So when,
1: when I. I mean, my name. So when I, you know, when in Cuba, I was Fabian Serralta. And and it's funny because they also use your your mother's uh, last name. So it was Fabian Serralta Galvez. And then I get to the United States and uh, I start school and I didn't speak English. So then the teacher didn't speak Spanish and nobody spoke Spanish. So it was just like every day I would show up and sit down and just like sit there and the first time I I was called, I remember her. She said, Fabian Soralta <laughs> I was like, Fabian wow. Seralta. And I wasn't responding. I was like, you know, I'm, in my mind, I'm like, man, that
0: kind of sounds like my name. <laughs> but uh, Yeah, you didn't know it was you,
1: right? No, I didn't. But that, that teacher, she was so, poor thing. She was so frustrated with the whole situation that we were in. And she would take me up to her desk and she would see that I was at my desk crying like frustrated and she start crying I go up to her desk and we're sitting there talking we're trying to communicate and crying and a lot of sign language and she would hug me she was just the sweetest lady ever but I, it was a it was definitely a, a frustrating situation to go from you know one country to another and not speak the language and pretty frustrating
0: yeah that's crazy well you're still here and uh your accent is great I mean well, I shouldn't say great. It's very Amer- You sound like you were born here, actually.
1: Yeah. Well, I've, I've been asking if I'm German. So I, apparently, something comes through every once in a while. I'm like, no, I'm not German. So I, I remember when I first got to Texas, I was at a running store getting some sneakers, and this lady asked me if I was German, and I said, No, no, I'm, I'm Cuban. And she's like, Cuban? Where's that? Really? Like, yeah. Oh, that's funny, I said, huh? I was
0: like, where that's were you crazy. during the Cold War? That's crazy. So, how'd you get started with bikes? Like, what's your, what's your bike story? Uh, I
1: got started with BMX. So, when we lived in that first neighborhood, there was a, uh, a bike shop, which is still in Miami, Cycle World, and owned by Mr. and Mrs. Lee. And I had this little beat-up bike, and I would go to their shop, and they were just the nicest couple. And they're actually still in business, Cycle World, out of Miami, Florida. And they just asked me if I wanted to join their BMX racing team, and uh, you know, and they just kind of took me under their wing, and they gave me, uh, you know, a shirt and pants, and they put tires on my bike. They fixed it. At one point, they gave me rims. At one point, they gave me a frame. I mean, they were just really great people. So they would kind of took me under their wing, and they had a like a van, and they would take us several kids to the race tracks and. Miami and Homestead Pompano, Florida and stuff like that. So I got started with racing BMX and I got a little bit into uh, motocross and And then one day a buddy of mine uh, that I met uh, I've been involved with uh, German Shepherds and Belgium laws and training them and stuff like that So I met this, this this guy and we started training our dogs together and well he rode on the road and he invited me so I put some slick tires on my mountain bike And started riding with the road guys on a mountain bike in Miami. Uh, And then from there, I moved to Texas and got my first road bike. Uh, And uh, in 2015, I was uh, visiting my son in Denver. He was at the University of Denver. And I went into a specialized store and they had a a bike that I I thought was so freaking cool. It looked like a road bike, but it had like these sort of mountain bike looking tires And I had no idea what it was, so I asked, and someone said, oh, it's a cross, Cyclocross bike. I'm like, what is that? (laughs) I don't even know what Cyclocross was. So, I said, I'll take it. So, I purchased it, and they shipped it to my bike shop, local bike shop in Texas. They built it for me, and and the reason I was so excited about that bike is uh, a few years prior, I had purchased this ranch in Oklahoma, and the driveway alone is like three miles of gravel, and then the next paved road is like another 10 miles, so... I could never bring my road bikes. And to me, I was like, this is just brilliant. You know, this bike is going to fix everything. Uh, and uh, I, I did. I started riding and I thought it was the greatest thing ever. And I signed up for my first gravel event, and it was October 1st, 2016, in Texas. And I showed up with this cross bike and I didn't know any better. So I was on the road, I was running uh, tubulars. Oh, wow. And, wow. and I would, you know, I would glue my own tires and, you know, you pump them up to 120 psi or more, so with this, uh, (laughs) Crux, it has 700 by 33c tires, and I figure I'm just gonna, I'm gonna drop the pressure, and I dropped it to, like, 90 psi in the rear, 95 in the front, and this course was, uh, it was pretty hilly, and, uh, it was uh, an area called Monster, Texas, and, uh, I show up with, you know, 90 PSI front, 95, I show up with no food, nothing, because I figured, hey, I've got two bottles, I got some snacks, there's going to be some, some uh, you know, aid stations, I figured it was going to be like a road rally, you know, you pay your fee, there's aid stations and all that, and sure enough, I never thought in a million years it was going to take me that long to ride 50 miles, halfway through it, you know, I ran out of fluids and food, and there's nothing out there in the middle of nowhere. Oh, wow. <laughs> There was a, a water stop where they had water jugs, but there was like no food, nothing else. I was like, oh, my God, I'm going to freaking die out here. <laughs> but <laughs> it was an ass kicking. And uh, that pressure just beat the hell out of me. Oh, man, I can't and believe I was, you stuck with it. Oh, man, when I got back to my SUV, I called a buddy of mine who's the one that told me about it. That morning of, he canceled. He said, I'm going to freaking kill you, dude. And he's like, what'd you do? And I told him, he goes, oh, no, man, you're supposed to run like 30 PSI, 35. You got to run bigger tires. No, it's self-supportive. You know, you're supposed to bring your own shit. I'm like, thanks, Juan. Thanks for telling me all this. I'm going to kill you.
0: Right. That's awesome. So you you liked it. You stuck it out.
1: Man, I, I hated it that day. but uh, And I left there so mad. I was like, I am never going to do this again. I'm freaking getting rid of this bike. I think by the time I got home uh, to the ranch, it was not far from the Oklahoma ranch, by the time I got back over there, took a shower and sat down, I was like, I'm not going to let this beat me, I'm going to do it again. <laughs> so signed up for the next one and you know, then started asking people what, what, what's the tire pressure, the tire types, and all the stuff that I didn't know anything about and I hadn't read anything about uh, as far as... You know, you have to, you know, the, I think the event said something about, you know, safety rules and helmet and all that kind of stuff, but I was not prepared. And I certainly didn't do my homework, cool. uh, prior to going.
0: So that was 2016. That's not that long ago.
1: No, no. And then I just started signing up for every gravel event I could find. Uh, I signed up for BWR San Diego. I did, a, a several of the bike monkey events in California I just, man, it was just, I got hooked on it, and it was just the greatest thing.
0: Yeah, that's cool. So why start a bike race? Well, I think a
1: lot of it had to do with that first experience. Uh, and and also, having a lot of friends and knowing a lot of people from the road uh, group rides that weren't doing it. And I kept hearing the same kind of theme. Well, you know, I just... It's just, you know, things like people were worried, of, you know, especially people that were new to cycling, you know, they like the idea of riding out there and less traffic or no traffic, which, you know, you don't experience experience it in gravel uh, like you do in road cycling. They like that aspect of it. They like the adventure, the being outside, all that stuff. What they didn't like was just not having aid stations and not having SAG vehicles and, and, and things like that because... Not everybody can, you know, repair their own bike or not everybody has the gear or wants to carry all the gear to be self-supportive. And the more I kept hearing, you know, I kept trying to get folks, come on, man, you got to come with me, you know, get, get a gravel bike or, or use your mountain bike. And I just, it was hard to get people to do it, especially uh, beginners or people that were kind of new to cycling. So that kind of, fr- well, that was kind of frustrating. Uh, and from my own first experience, I, I, I could really understand why. Some people would want to do it, but are kind of concerned. And, you know, I, I've said this many times is that the best thing about gravel is that you're out in the middle of nowhere with no traffic. If you see a car, well, at least where I ride, you hardly ever see a car. You hardly ever see a house, you know, but that's also what makes it dangerous because, you know, there's no cell phone reception. And should you get hurt or have a mechanical, you know, it's you're not going to see anybody out there, probably. Uh So my, my whole thought was, man, what if we, you know, what if I start an event that's gravel, but it's kind of treated like the road rallies and at least the road rallies that I had been to in Texas, you know, there's eight stations every 20 miles or 15 or 10 miles there's SAG vehicles that are marked. Um, There's, you know, all sorts of support that, you know, should you get hurt or something happened, you know, you have help. And that's where the the uh, idea came that to start gravel locos in Texas and, and treat it like a road rally
0: event as far as support. Huh. Just
1: very cool. That scary side out of gravel, you know.
0: Yeah, that's that's kind of cool. I like that. Um, kind of make your own rules. Uh, you've got well, first of all, there's two events: one in uh, Hico, Texas, and <laughs> okay, so they pronounce it Heico. Heico, Heico, Texas, and one in Pueblo, Colorado. Yes. Uh Texas is May twentieth, Colorado is September thirtieth. And yes. you've got four distance choices for each one. And let's yes. focus on uh uh He Heiko. Heiko, Heiko sorry, sorry, yes. sorry. I've got a kid who uh just moved to Austin about a year ago, so I'm learning <coughs> the uh learning the I'm learning Texas, quite frankly. I've never yes. really spent any time in Texas, so, so is I'm he learning in Austin now or uh, he is building rockets in Austin. Ooh, wow. Yeah, kind of cool. That's a great city. Yep, it is a great city. Yeah. Very good city. So uh, we are looking for an excuse to bring our bikes down to Austin, okay. and uh, it's, 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 locos great. may be that.
1: Uh, we love that. I mean, it definitely Houston, you know, great music scene, great cycling scene, you know, great restaurant scene. It's got, it's got a
0: lot of charm. Uh, you forgot to mention the breweries.
1: Oh yes.
0: Well <laughs> I, some breweries down there as well.
1: Restaurants, yeah.
0: <laughs> Great barbecue too. Yeah, no doubt. No doubt. So take me through the events, the, the distances, the names. They've got cool names and uh, um I don't know. Give us the the flyover of your Texas race in on May twentieth.
1: Yeah, the uh, the idea was just again kinda of treat it like a road rally and I wanted to have <laughs> a lot of distances. For people that, you know, so we have the, the La Pequeña or the GL30, GL, GL 30, Gravel Locos 30. It's going to be 30-something miles. And, and, again, that's that's designed for folks that kind of want to experience gravel maybe for the first time or or maybe somebody that can't ride farther than that because they got injured, or whatever the reason. Maybe somebody that wants to, to, you know, experience gravel. Then we have your typical 100K, you know, the uh, GL60 or La Mediana, and uh and that's just again 100k which is pretty common from there we jump to the uh la gran piedra which is the gl 100 and it's usually a little over 100 miles and that's for people that want to do more than 60 but they don't want to do 150 something miles uh that's the reason for that and then again the the main route is the gl 150 which is 150 something miles and in texas is over 8,000 feet of climbing, and in Colorado, I think it was, oh gosh, I think it was over 10,000, I have to look it up, so it's just trying to offer people options, uh, maybe, you know, maybe the wife wants to do 100 miles, but the husband wants to do 30, or, or or your buddy wants to do 150, but you only want to do 60, so it's just trying to make it so that people and friends and stuff can, can have an option, and we see most of our registration uh, takes place in the, you know, it's, I'm shocked. A lot of times it's almost even. The 150-something miler and the 100-miler almost have the same numbers.
0: Really? That surprises yeah. me.
1: Yeah, our smallest resi- uh, re- uh, registration numbers are usually the, the short route. But, uh, again, that the 100-miler and the 150-something get pretty uh it's, get most of the numbers, uh, and then the 100 mile, uh, the, the 100K. So it's pretty interesting to see how many people are willing to take on something like that.
0: Well, and it doesn't sound flat.
1: No, you know, we think of Texas as, as being flat. A lot of people do. And I always say, yeah, it's flat until you get on a bike. <laughs> Fair. That's especially actually good a good answer. Especially in Heiko.
0: A <laughs> um, couple of hills, the Loco Hill. That's a, yeah, we that got just a, sounds like it would just break yeah, your legs right off of your body
1: yeah the thing about texas gravel at least in, in heiko is that they're not really long climbs but they're punchy i mean they're pretty steep so you've got we do have one that's pretty long i think it's about four miles long oh wow uh, one particular climb but it, the ones that really get you are those ones that are just super steep and not very long and that's where you see a lot of the the races decided, you know, a lot of, you know, the breakaways and stuff like that tend to happen in these you know, we local hill, I've seen it's early on, it's around mile twenty something, so but you do see where people start testing their legs and somebody will take off and go all the way to the front and, and then we got the three Bs, which are these pretty massive steep back to back three climbs. Uh those are brutal. I mean I've literally you watch the pros and they're just Crawling up the up these things, you know, they're not flying. I mean, they're crawling. They're they're pretty good. I've seen many people just topple over. Oh wow! <laughs> there you go up into the twenty percent, uh, you know, elevation. I mean, I'm sorry, twenty percent grades. So it's it's very different from our Colorado. The the Pueblo route is absolutely gorgeous, also, and but it's more gradual climbing. There's a lot of climbing in Pueblo, but it's it's not like the heiko so they're both very very different events Huh? very cool pueblos in the fall uh and gravel is in the spring so the the flowers all the wildflowers and stuff you experience that in heiko and then uh the colors in pueblo are just stunning you know the, the fall colors
0: yeah uh recommend people do them both yeah i would <laughs> <laughs> for sure i wish i for could sure. i'm just working <laughs> So I, you know, I'm curious, you, you, the, the biggest race we'd never heard of, uh, dude, you've got like, I'm just going to read this list I wrote down, uh, Nicholas, Ro- like you've got world tour folks, Nicholas Roche, uh, Nikki Terpstra, Alex Howes, Lawrence Tandam, Ian Boswell, uh, Andrew Tolansky, Ted King, Allison Tetrick, Lauren Stevens, Laura King. That's kind of fun. Laura and uh, Ted, did they ride tandem? They should ride tandem.
1: No, they would be killing, killing the field. <laughs> <pups>. They're <laughs> they competitive, great people.
0: Yeah, no doubt. Emily Newsom, Sarah Sturm, Marissa Boaz. I got to mention her because she's an Iowa girl. But you've got a freaking stellar list of people lining up. How did you do that?
1: I, I think, I think a lot of it has to do with timing. Uh, and our event is uh, the first year. It was two weeks. Before unbound, which is what I've always wanted. Uh, and then last year we tried three weeks and it just didn't work out as well. But that two week period before unbound is sort of the that sweet spot where, you know, a lot of the folks from Europe are already in town. They want to acclimate. They want to get used to the, the weather, the area. And having an event two weeks before unbound is perfect for them, especially all those world tour guys, because they're already in the States uh heiko is the distance i you know i purposely uh, made it uh less than 200 miles because they don't want to ride 200 miles before I unbound so we, we make it 150 something the elevation is pretty pretty similar uh, you're going to be climbing just about as much in those 150 something miles that you need that you are going to be in at unbound the weather in texas is very similar around that time of year uh you know you can have a ton of rain like we did in 2021 which Unbound had in 2022, or it could be a really hot year, which we had in Texas 2022, which Unbound has had. So it's really a, a great, a great place and, and a great uh, city, coat to ta- and, and race uh, gravel locos uh, right before Unbound and race against you know some of the fastest, probably the fastest pros in the world, men and women. Uh, in fact, if you pay attention, you always see that whoever wins Gravel Locos or whoever's in the top five of Gravel Locos, men and women, they're going to be in the top five of Unbound. Uh, you know, in 21, uh, uh, Ted uh, Lawrence Tendam got second in Unbound. He was first at, at Gravel Locos. In 2022, uh, Ivar was second at Gravel Locos. He was first at Unbound. Uh, you know, you look at uh, Marisa Marisa Boas. I mean, she just killed the, the GL one hundred uh, and fifty, and I believe she won at an Unbound. I think it was a, she won the one hundred miler at Unbound in twenty twenty two. And you know, here's somebody that nobody had probably heard about, and she just dominated Gravel Locos and uh, the women's field. I mean, it was and she was racing against some pretty strong riders. You know, Sarah Sturm and and uh, Jess Sarah, you had Allison Tetrick, and, and several other women. Uh, so it was not an easy race. And it was hot. And, and Marissa just smoked that 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 course. Uh, so you'll, you know, I think what makes Loco so attractive is this, again, it's two weeks. So you can race against the best and test your legs. And then you've got two weeks to recover. And then you've got unbound. And the biggest thing that I heard from all the European riders that come is like, please don't do it three weeks before again, because we can't take that much time off, but uh, that was a big thing. Uh, yeah. And, you know, I, I want the race to be uh, open to folks from all over the place. So I, I went back to the original date of two weeks before Unbound, because for them, it's perfect. They arrive Wednesday of the week of Locos, They race Gravelocos Saturday. Then they do some light training in between, and then they race Unbound on the Saturday. Two weeks later, and they take off Sunday. So, it's easier for them to take two weeks off than taking three weeks, four weeks. It's just hard. I mean, it's same for us. For us to go to Europe and take three, four weeks off from work or home or whatever, it's not an easy thing to do. Uh, so that—that's uh, really, I think, what's the biggest, the biggest uh, draw. Uh, for these folks, when they see gravel locos, it's like, man, this is a great way. Uh, it's not 200 miles, similar elevation cl- uh, that I'm going to experience, and temperature-wise, and terrain is very similar in, in many aspects. So it's you know it's a great opportunity to test your legs uh, against the best.
0: Yeah, well, you do have some differences between gravel locos and say an unbound. Um, I appreciated your. Posts on Instagram. <clears throat> um, oh, you wouldn't believe zero bars.
1: Yeah, how many mass emails, start? <laughs> how many emails and DMs I got about that? It's like, are you going to start imposing all that stuff? I'm like, so I started responding one by one. I'm like, this is it. This is getting old. So I was like, screw it. I'm just going to announce it. And you know, I what i like about gravel is what i first experienced and it was just like this no rules just folks showing up and all types of bikes i've seen people folks show up in mountain bikes hybrids e-bikes full-blown gravel bikes uh you know road bikes that probably shouldn't be there with 700 by 30 and you you got folks wearing flannel shirts and jean shorts and ones that are all team kitted out you know, that's what I thought was so fun about it. And everybody kind of rode together. It was no big deal. We start together and it would break up and, you know, the fast folks take off and the rest of us are in the back. Uh And I just, I'm starting to see like this trend where it's all oh, these rules and all this stuff. And, you know, next thing you know, it's like you can't ride it unless you have a UCI approved bike or you can't wear a skin suit or you can't do this. And to me, that just kind of starts taking away. From my, from when I first experienced gravel, I'm just trying to keep it as simple as possible. Uh, if folks want to dress a certain way, they can dress that way. They they can ride whatever the hell they want to ride, you know. They can use arrow bars if they want. I you know I don't I don't see a, a need to give the pros a head start. And believe me, I, I you know a lot of them have become very close friends. And I've asked me to ban arrow bars. Have asked me to uh, to do a. a separate start I just I refuse to do it because it's just it's not gravel I mean the whole idea about gravel is you know come as you are bring what you got and 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 ride together this whole idea of being inclusive so we start separating each other where does you know being inclusive go and to me uh what what's going on with gravel kind of reminds me of a very close German friend of mine and she would always say why make it simple when difficult will do (laughs) and I was like No, Heidi. (laughs) Simple is good, you know. She always wanted to complicate everything. and So I'm just trying to keep gravel simple. That's what I like. And if people like it, they can come. If they don't like it, you know, there's so many great events out there. Uh, You know, and I've mentioned them, you know, probably one of my greatest accomplishments on the bike were Mid-South in 2020. Uh, Ted and Laura's event. In Vermont, I did it in 2021. Uh, Jess Sarah's uh, Montana event. Again, these are just huge uh, efforts from these events that, that you may not hear about as much. You know, we always hear about all the, the big corporate events because, you know, they've got huge marketing teams and all that great stuff. But, you know, we don't hear about, you know, some of these events that to me are spectacular. They're challenging. The, the efforts are huge. Uh, I'm I'm hoping that Ted and and Laura will bring the, you know, Route of Vermont back. They they have a pause for 2023, so it's not happening. Uh, But Jess Sarah and uh, and Sam Boardman, you know, both pro cyclists, their event is in Montana in Whitefish. I did it in 2021. And, man, by the time I was done, it was like 9 o'clock at night. But it was brutal. And, you know, those are the... There's a great events. And as I mentioned earlier, the Mid-South, there's a lot of great local events in all over the the states. You know, I've done BWR. I think that's another great event. You know, now that they've got several of them. And there's uh, here in Texas, we have another one that started the Rattle in Sweetwater, Texas, the Rattlesnake gravel, gravel grind. Uh, But all over, I'm sure you all have your, your events in Iowa.
0: Oh, it's something every weekend.
1: Yeah. Uh, so and if you go to those events you don't hear about all these rules and what you can or cannot do and everybody's separated and you start first and you start I don't know, I just I, I like a mass start, I like mixed, there's women and men, everybody's together. You know, I, I don't care where you're from, what color you are, what preferences you have, you know, I, I've made I made it very, very clear that I do not bring politics into gravel locos. I do not bring religion. I don't bring any social issues, gender issues. Absolutely nothing. It's about gravel. You know, and if people want to hear about all those things, I'm sure there are events that are focused on politics and religion and other stuff. But I, I just, I, I feel that those topics are more than likely going to divide us. And for me to, to, to have an inclusive environment, I try and keep out everything that's divisive out of it. So if I just focus on gravel and and no rules and but as by no rules I mean rules that I think are silly things to do with the mass start or things to do with with what you wear or or your gravel or having arrow bars. but yeah we do have rules as far as you got to wear a helmet and, and you know you have to obey the traffic laws because we don't want you to get killed. That's it you know that's fair you know, and, and I, and I, I feel there, there's, there should be aid stations, and there should be SAG vehicles, and uh, for the women, I, you know, I have uh, portable bathrooms at the aid stations, because it's very easy for the guys to go on the side of the road, but it's not easy for a a female to to go to the bathroom, you know, so things like that, but as far as rules, it's wear a helmet, and obey traffic laws, and, and, and it's just so you don't, Get rolled by a car. It's just, or if you fall, you don't, you know, bust your head. You know, we want you to be able to go home afterwards.
0: Yeah. Oh, that's very cool. I, I like to ask people how they would define the spirit of gravel. And I'll ask you, but I kind of feel like you just answered it. <laughs> <laughs> how do you, how do you define the spirit of gravel? You know,
1: I always go back to my first experience and, and it was, everybody was really nice at the start. We were all together Uh, and I just remember looking around and everybody was different. You know, it was dressed different, was riding something different. Uh, there was dudes with the shaved legs and the the silky legs and the Lycra and the team kits and the matching shoes and glasses. And then there's ones that are, you know, hairy legs with a long beard and, you know, and, and, and the same with the women, it was just so diverse. That's, what I consider, you know, the spirit of gravel, a, a diverse environment where you can just be yourself. It doesn't matter where you're from, what you look like, what your sex, sexual preference, none of that matters. What matters is that we're gonna ride bikes and we're gonna have a freaking blast and we're gonna kick our butts out there because this is not easy, but at the end of it, you're gonna feel like, man, I did something amazing. You know, that's how I felt when I finished Mid-South, when I finished uh, Route of Vermont, when I finished The Last Best Ride in Montana. You know, it kicked my ass so bad, and I walked, and I crawled, and at the end of it, I just I felt so good about finishing, and felt proud about it. Uh, you know, one of the things that I don't have at our events is I do not have a cutoff. There is no cutoff. I don't care how freaking long it takes you to finish. So to me, that's the spirit of gravel. You know, I, I can't understand, I, I can't imagine how I would feel, actually, it, I've been to events where I've been told you got to turn around because you didn't meet the cutoff. And I said, you're going to have to freaking fight me because I don't care. I, I'm still going to go. So I've done that at a few events. And people have been, you know, a couple of folks have been a little upset uh, about it but and made a comment, but I don't care. You know, I, I'm here to do this from beginning to end. Uh, so at Gravel Locos, we don't have a cutoff. In fact, we always give trophies to the last five people that show up And it it could be midnight. It could be 1 a.m., whatever it is. We are out there. We have beer, drinks, food, waiting for them and and a trophy. Because to me, you know, if you're out there 14, 15 hours, you're a freaking badass. Because that's an
0: ass
1: kicking in itself. And, you know, and I always tell the pros, you know, yeah, you guys do it in seven hours. Cool. You know, but this is what you've been doing all your lives. You know, you're trained for this. This is your full time job. But, you know, just a regular person to go out there and do the same route, and and it takes them twice as long. That's twice the beating. I don't care who you are. So, you know, we celebrate that. You know, we celebrate the last five. Uh, you know, if I had enough time to make more trophies, I'd probably celebrate more than that. But, I, you know, I make my own trophies. So, it's rough. It gets, when you're making 40-something trophies, it gets tiring. But That's awesome. Yeah, I can actually no relate to that. There's no cutoff. And I've been yeah, the last one. I can't tell you. I was the last one at, at Ted's event. I was the last one at Jess, Sarah, and, and Boardsman's event. It took me 14 and a half hours to do Mid-South in 2020. Oh, you know, wow. Yeah, it was it a was beating. Uh, but, you know, I'm, I'm going back to uh, Mid-South in March. And I signed up for the full course again. I think I'm going to have to <laughs> slice it down to half the course. Because I, since I started Gravel Locos, I literally stopped riding. I just between my two other businesses and running gravel locos, I just, you know, I don't have time to ride. So I've gained a ton of weight and I haven't been riding at all. So I think I'm going to have to message Bobby and said, please switch me to the 50 miler. <laughs> or, or well, gonna... I
0: tell you, signing up for races yeah. does get you on your bike, yeah. even if only for that day. So yes. you'll, uh, you'll be out there. That's awesome. That's awesome. Well, uh, how, how does somebody connect? What's that? With how does somebody connect with uh, Gravel Locos? Yeah,
1: website. You know, I'm, I respond to the emails. I respond to the, all the DMs on Instagram or Facebook. You know, it takes me a little while, but I, you know, I always respond. I, you know, I, I, I joke around. I say that you know, Gravel Locos Instagram is a, a Cuban with an iPhone, and really, that's what it boils down <laughs> to. I, take, <laughs> I should be sponsored by Apple. <laughs> we, uh, you know, that's I take awesome. pictures and. I do the post. So if you hate it, you know, you you don't have me to blame. Uh, so I do all the social media. I respond to emails, uh, all the messages that I get via Instagram or Facebook. So, you know, they're more than happy to connect. Uh, if they need anything else, I always, I give out my cell phone number. If somebody needs something else, if I can help anybody, you know, I've helped a few folks start their own events. Uh, it's not a, an impossibility. I could do it. Other people can do it. Um, but yeah, I'm I'm really uh, I I really hope that a lot of these independent events, uh, not gravel locos, but you know the smaller ones, that people start really looking into them and and experiencing them. You know, if you wanna if you wanna keep that spirit of gravel that we talk about, it's really it's happening at all these, you know, these grassroots small events all throughout the U.S. You know every weekend there's one and hopefully folks will start you know looking into them they're you know they're definitely worth going to uh, you don't just have to go to the big events and in fact some of those small events are probably you know have been my
0: favorite you know registration gravel bike yeah gravellocos.bike
1: bike uh, co registration is still open until we reach our max uh, same with uh, pueblo pueblo is gonna be a uh, a little interesting this year uh, because uh, we, we purposely, I purposely scheduled the event to stay away from other events. Uh, you know, you can't help it if you have an event in, in one state and somebody has another one, two states away or a state, you know, that's, that can happen. But right. I, you know, I made sure that our Pueblo event is never uh, the same weekend as the lifetime fitness event in Trinidad. And, this year, uh, last year, I got a call from Lifetime Fitness that they were going to move their Trinidad event to our same weekend in Pueblo. Well, we're like 45 50 minutes apart, guys. And huh. and that was really ups- you know, it was really a, a bad situation that because you know, we're a small event. I mean, yes, the biggest race you've never heard of, but we're still as you know, Gravo Locos is myself, my buddy Robert, and Eric, the three of us. And a few volunteers, you know, that's what, I mean, we do everything. We make our own trophies. We we load up our own trailers. We, you know, I do the social media. This is a, you know, a backyard thing. This is the the sandlot of events. So we can't compete with events like Lifetime Fitness. So they contacted me last year to say, hey, look, we're going to have to change our event date. And we're going to move it to your event date. And I was like, oh. And they asked if I could move my event i said i can't you know the weekend before is the pueblo chile festival and the weekend after when they were normally going to have their event well that's when gravel worlds uci gravel worlds is so that's I don't. Right. I, if i host the event when uci gravel worlds take place then i'm going to lose some of the pros that come so i figured yeah, for the sir. same reason they they move their event uh, as well they, they i can't imagine a lifetime fitness is going to want to have a a race doing uh, uci gravel worlds either uh, right, right. so it's it's definitely going to affect our registration and it's going to uh, affect the event and ultimately it hurts the fire department because our, our funds go to the volunteer fire departments uh, and the one in Pueblo it's uh, the volunteer fire department in Pueblo that we benefit they don't have indoor plumbing they don't have an indoor toilet they don't have a sink to wash their hands they don't have running water they literally have a portable bathroom outside so these folks come because they do fire and rescue so they can come back from a Accident from a fire and they need to wash their hands and they don't have running water so they use either hand sanitizer or transmission fluid to sanitize their hands. I mean this is no joke and they're they're charged with like carrying for over a hundred and something miles of of land. Um, So there we have been raising money to help them make the station larger and bring uh, indoor plumbing the reason for the station. Being larger is because they don't have enough room for all their vehicles to go inside. Well, the winters are pretty brutal, so when those vehicles are outside, these are old vehicles from the '60s and the '70s. You, you know, those carburetors, they just won't start, um, right? And now having the lifetime fitness event moved to our same exact weekend and you know less than an hour away, it's going to be it's going to be hard. It's going I really don't know what's going to happen. It's, the, it's already impacted our registration. Uh, cause I can see the, uh, you know, I can see the, that, that whole glamorous thing about lifetime fitness and, and, and now the, uh, that they're the Trinidad event, the rad is also part of the, uh, lifetime grand prix, yeah, right. you know, that, that appeals to some people. So it's, it's affected our, our, our registration in Pueblo, which is unfortunate. And, uh, and who knows, I don't know what's going to happen with the Pueblo event, uh, Going forward, if that continues, but you know it's it's something that I'm passionate about. In Heiko, in 2021, we were able to get them a a uh, command fire truck. They, you know, it's a, a vehicle that's worth about eighty five thousand dollars, and they had been waiting for one for over five years, and there were still like a hundred and something on a wait list. And then last year, we did a renovation to the station of the. Uh, I think the cost came in at around a hundred. $40,000, we added almost 3,000 square feet to the station, foam insulated, created a lounge, a upstairs lounge for all the firefighters. You know, this is something that they've been wanting to do for 35, 40 years. And, you know, we were able to do it with the registration money from Gravel Local. Wow. So that's, you know, that's the that's probably the most... In, that's what I would say is also the spirit of Gravel, that these events, or at least our event, and like many others, I'm sure... You know, our funds stay in the community that we host the event at. Our funds go to the volunteer fire department at Heiko and the volunteer fire department in Pueblo. So to me, uh, that's, again, part of the whole spirit of gravel is, you know, this inclusive environment that everybody's welcome, but that also that we we make a, a physical, visual impact on these communities that we're at. And we do that with something that you can actually witness. You can go to Heiko and you can witness the new fire station. And, you know, hey, we, we did that. You know, people that, that register, we did that. And they can see the new command fire truck. We did that. Uh, with Heiko, uh, you know, you can go there and ride, and, and you'll hear it from the firefighters. They, they all know about gravel Locos, and they're very grateful. Uh, and that's, that was done by the folks that showed up to ride, the, the money that they paid for registration. And my hope is that with Pueblo that one day people are going to be able to show up and say, Oh, that's the new station. And we did it with what, by riding gravel and registering. And now they have indoor plumbing. So that's, that's the goal with Pueblo. The same thing that we've done with Heiko is just a little uncertain right now with, with what's going on with, you know, having a big corporate event, just down the street on your same day. That's, that's going
0: to be rough. Yeah. Yeah, that is rough. And, uh, I, I feel like you've defined the spirit of gravel and that doesn't feel like the spirit of gravel. It doesn't. there's an editorial nothing, nothing, comment. Nothing mm-hmm. that I can I do did. about it, but, yeah. You know. Right, right. That's too bad. Well, listen, I'm going to encourage people to uh, hop on to bike and uh, sign up for either one, May 20th or September 30th. Head on out to Pueblo and see the fall colors or drive down to Texas or up, I suppose, if you're in Austin. Mm-hmm. And uh, see the uh, spring flowers. Absolutely.
1: And I have visited Iowa a few times to go look at cars, classic cars. (laughs) I love cars from the 50s and 60s. Uh, (laughs) I've gone into your state a couple of times.
0: (laughs) You know, uh, we we do have them here, but uh, I would say generally people from here go down to Texas where they don't salt the roads in the winter. Yeah, I
1: found a few gems in Iowa. (laughs) Yeah, that's awesome. That's awesome.
0: Well, listen. I appreciate your time, and uh, Gal. I wish you the best of luck this year in uh, both. Gal, say it again, Heiko. Heiko,
1: you got it. You got it down, Heiko.
0: I got it. All right. I got to learn. I got to keep working. Listen, on it. I that. have a hard time Get saying Colorado. My, uh, I have to say, you know, it, the natural thing is to say Colorado, and people look at me like I'm nuts. I'm like, I, <laughs> I love the accent. I'm, you said uh, Marissa Boaz, and I was like, oh, he could say that all day long. I love how he says that. Her name. I'm hoping to see her again in Gravel Locos. She's awesome, man. Well, she signed up, so I think she's planning on coming down. She is awesome. Looking forward to
1: seeing her and and seeing how she does. She's a beast. She is a beast. She's
0: been, actually, has an amazing story. Yeah,
1: it's it's inspiring, you know, after she won Gravel Locos, and I I start, you know, looking a little more into her, and then I start following her, and she's a mom. She's got four kids, and all the stuff she's done is like, that's an inspiration. It's like, man, talk about, you know, juggling your time. And you know, I've got four kids too. And, and it's not easy. It is not easy. It's not easy. And, uh, so uh, I try not to feel sorry for myself when I say I don't have time to ride. I'm like, oh, look at her; she, <laughs>
0: she, yep, yep. Y- juggling four kids, husband, <laughs> Juggle, and
1: uh, get on the trainer, Fabian.
0: <laughs> and she's riding at the front of the race. She's yeah. not getting an award for the last five. Yeah, she's getting an award for being the fir- first five. Yes, it's amazing. Exactly. Yeah, she really is amazing. She's, she's an, inspiration. an inspiration, and I'm she talking. just started racing on oh, no, 2018.
1: Yes, yes, freaking unbelievable, man.
0: Yeah, which says to me, like. Hey, if you're thinking about it, like dive in. It's never too yeah. late. Emily
1: Newsom is another person that you know started late and it just incredible athlete. You know.
0: Yep, yep. It's fun. I feel like gravel gives you the opportunity for that. Yes, absolutely. You know, because you can just line up and go. And gosh, if you're fast, yep. you're fast, and you're racing at the front, and you don't have to work your way through, you know, cap five, four, three, two, one, uh-huh. or whatever. You just you show up and lace up your shoes put on your helmet and ride your bike <laughs> and win <laughs> and win right right there's that in their case for sure at least. well thank yep. you so much there i really appreciate
1: you taking the time to invite me on and all that thank you
0: yeah no doubt i appreciate it and we'll wish you the best of luck this spring and fall well, stay in touch and love to see you at gravel locals either one let me know uh, we'd love to make it down to texas all right brother thank you I want to thank Fabian for joining me on Bike Talk with Dave. I can't wait to get down to Heiko to explore the hill country of Texas. I'm not sure if we can make it down there this year, but we'll be rolling around on those beautiful gravel roads sometime soon, for sure. Follow Gravel Locos races on Instagram and Facebook. There is a ride distance for everyone. And thank you too for tuning in to Bike Talk with Dave. If you like this podcast, please rate, review, and subscribe wherever you listen. And feel free to share it with your friends. And if you'd like to support the show financially, you can look for Bike Talk with Dave at buymeacoffee.com or keep it simple and hit me up on Venmo at david-mabel. If you do, I'll send you a Bike Talk with Dave sticker. There's a link to Buy Me a Coffee in the show notes. I also need to thank bikeiowa.com for being the online host of Bike Talk with Dave. BikeIowa.com is your one stop shop with an incredible event calendar as well as news, information, and trails in Iowa and around the Midwest. New events are added every week. And in fact, if you are an event director, get your event on the calendar ASAP. It's easy to do, just create an account and log in, and then you can add and edit your information. It's an easy way to reach thousands of cyclists, and it will not cost you a dime. One of the races you might find on BikeIowa.com is the Driftless 100. It is a challenging, scenic gravel race through the wooded hills of northeast Iowa on April 29th, starting in the town of Elkader. I'll be there with the Iowa Gravel Gang. You can join us by signing up today. Click the link on bikeiowa.com or go to driftlessgravel.com to register. Now I'm going to go brew another cup of Chain and Spoke coffee. I've got a bag of the Brap blend that I've been enjoying this month. It is their signature espresso blend, but I've been enjoying it as a drip and it is equally delicious as a pour over. And it's available now by ordering at chainandspoke.com. Thanks again for tuning in. We've got lots of great episodes coming up, including Mark West, mechanic for the Steve Tilford Foundation. And I'm excited to share a great conversation with a young lady who's been riding her bike around this beautiful planet and hoping to leave it a happier place. Hannah Kern, or she's known on Instagram and Facebook, Hannah Happiness. And later this month, we'll talk with Matt Phippen, director of the annual bike ride across Iowa, Ragbri. So be sure to subscribe and follow Bike Talk with Dave on Instagram and Facebook so you don't miss a thing. Have a great week and spread happiness.